Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! Hey folks, hope everybody had a great weekend. It's Monday, and I am back from vacation. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm uh, exhausted. Uh, it was a great uh, six and a half days or so up in the up at the cottage in Frankfurt, Michigan. Um, if you want to hear some of my um, stories from this week uh, with a bunch of kids and another family in a small cottage, uh, check out the last couple episodes because I taped my intros from there over this last week. And uh, oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff. But um, but I'm back. I did the four hour drive yesterday, maybe four and a half. We had a few stops off because the kids had to go potty every twenty minutes. It felt like sometimes. And, um, and I'm not gonna, you know, and I had to rest today a little bit, went and had a great breakfast, but, uh, but I fell asleep, I'm tired, but, uh, like I said, I got to get this podcast going. I got to get it recorded so that you guys can hear this, uh, Monday. Um, so on this episode, I'm actually going to do a two-parter, which I haven't done yet, but I've got a lot of great info to happen and I want to get it out in timely, um, timely fashion. So first part of this episode is going to be, um, a conversation with myself, Sean Neal and Paul Lawan, and we are all um, this Woodshed Agency team, and we are talking. We're going to be talking about the last hours of the Cream documentary campaign that was on Kickstarter. Um, so that was the project that we've been working on for the last seven months, and our goal was a hundred thousand dollars on that, and we actually had a hundred, just under one hundred twenty thousand dollars is what we ended up uh, bringing in for that campaign, and it was a emotional roller coaster, but it was ultimately at the end of the day. A major success, and um, I'm very, very, very happy with the work we did. Um, so we break down kind of our feelings the last hour, and I taped that also up on vacation. Um, so it's going to be also through audio quality, you know, a little bit of an issue, but it, the, I think the information we give is, is really, really valuable. So that's going to be the first part. Um, the second part of the conver- uh, of the podcast uh, for this episode is going to be on a Kickstarter project right now called Soul Kicks. And this is a custom printed shoe company out in Utah that was started by a guy, uh, by a guy named Mason Davis. And Mason has an unbelievable story. I actually got a chance to talk to his dad, Terry, but Mason ended up being homeless at 19 and literally picked himself up by his bootstraps and turned his idea of custom painted shoes or custom printed shoes, I should say, into a successful business and now ultimately a successfully funded Kickstarter campaign. So right now they had a small goal of $15,000, but they're over it right now. They were over it a couple weeks ago and you know they're going to fund. And now this isn't a big, huge project. It's not in the $100,000 one or a big tech project, but I do believe that this in my eyes is the backbone of Kickstarter and why it's so amazing because um, in, you, in this conversation, you're going to hear us talk about, you know, this, this idea got validated. It might be a smaller number, but the idea was there, the execution's there, and people are into it. And that's what Kickstarter to me is all about. It gives a chance, even on the smaller level, to, you know, to, to, get, to, to get validation, you know, to, to show that you're not crazy, your idea has, has value, and... And I think that's what's great about it. So that conversation is going to be coming up as well in this episode. Um, uh, really, really heart-wrenching, um, uh, you know, or I should say heartwarming, gut-wrenching type story from Mason. And I was just blown away. I had no idea about that, um, about that part of the story when I picked up the phone and, and, and had my talk with Terry. So I hope you guys enjoy that conversation. Um, so kind of a major, major event happened while I was, while I was up north on vacation. Um, and I don't know if any of you out there have ever experienced this, but it's kind of wrecked me a little bit um, emotionally. Nothing physically happened, and everybody's fine. But um, Thursday, when we were out um, in, in what's called Platte Lake uh, up north, um, I ended up, was, uh, ended up losing my wedding ring. And uh, I'm a, I've only been married just under three years, but my wife for close to eight years. But um, yeah... I usually am like uber, uber, like, you know, thinking about it. I'm always touching. I still am doing this, like, I have this habit with my thumb. Just I'm always checking it. I even take it off when I take a shower. But got busy while we were up north. Ended up throwing the kayaks in and the, just doing a whole bunch of stuff, getting really busy, um, just trying to get everybody out the house to get up 
um, to go up the river to go to this uh, little bay area up in Platte River and ended up just forgetting about it. And I checked it. You know, we were out like four, four and a half, five hours. And I kept checking it. And it was always there. It was always there. But um, closer to about the end of when we were going to leave, being out there about two and a half hours or so, um, I ended up playing with my daughter. And we were wrestling kind of, you know, she's three. And, you know, we were doing this. Just, she's just literally choking me on me the whole time. Um, and just, you know, being really rough and digging in the sand. And I come out and probably about five minutes after... Probably, you know, I was wrestling for a good 20 minutes or so, but I kept checking it and I realized after about five minutes, man, my, my, my ring's gone. And I have, only a few times in my life has my heart sunk as far as it sunk at that moment. Um, and it's still emotional to me right now, man. I'm upset about it. Like, I, you know, I, I thank God it wasn't my wife's ring, but man, walking over to her and telling her what happened, uh, it's just awful. Awful, awful, awful. So, I um, ended up spending the next hour and a half or so with some goggles on with, or excuse me, you know, with my, uh, my, my uh, friend Ron, who, who was up there with me and we, you know, just scouring the area, but to no avail, could not find it. And the water was crystal clear. You could see everything and, and only up to about my knee. So, you know, too, you know, not very deep at all. So, so I'm dealing with that and why it's emotionally challenging outside of the fact that I you know, lost my wedding ring is that was also my dad's wedding ring and it was a very emotional ring for me just because of my dad's health and how bad he is um you know my wife and I we are struggling a bit in our marriage with communication and I don't think anything's it's not great but show me a couple with a couple small kids and and uh and and you know life you know we are always working on communication so you know it definitely felt like two body blasts you know um really had an emotional night Thursday night sleeping just I, I just you know I don't want this ring to symbolize you know my my so let me back up my dad's health is so bad if if he passed any day any week this year it would be a shock to myself or anybody around he's just he's really 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 sick and having it be his ring and having it be in, up in an area that I spent my entire childhood vacations up there. I mean, my dad and I have had, we have hundreds of memories there. So it was a very, my wife actually called me a little bit with this idea of, you know, if I was going to lose a ring, what better place to lose it than in Platte Lake. And, you know, it's okay. I guess I can kind of think that, but you know, um, but I just don't want this ring to symbolize anything, anything bad. You know, I don't want it to, and, and you know, I, I'm probably too emotional about this stuff and I think way too deep about it, but that's, that is how I'm feeling. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a struggle with me right now. And so I, my suggestion to my wife had, was that maybe, uh, maybe it's a good opportunity to actually go, you know, get a ring, go, go, you know, reshop for one or, or whatever it is. And, and maybe have, uh, excuse me, a sort of like you know, I don't know, recommitment ceremony type of vibe without it being that dramatic, but just having some friends and family around and just being like, you know what, we're, we are recommitting, um, because of this event. And, and, you know, we got a lot of big changes coming up here. My son starts kindergarten in a couple of weeks. Um, so a lot of major stuff starting to happen here. And, um, and I, and I kind of want to maybe possibly use this as, as a springboard for emotions and energy and, and good feelings instead of it possibly dwelling on the bad. Um, so that, that was, that was definitely, definitely the worst part of, of the vacation, but flipping to the good part of the vacation is, um, finding myself in the under the radar tour book for, for the state of Michigan. That was, you know, that's the good thing. That was, that was awesome. I actually picked up that book. Uh, uh, so I was very excited about that. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, it's good to be home. Uh, I love that kind of feeling when you first get home and, and you get to sleep in your bed. And, and I know for some of you out there that you guys travel maybe for business and stuff, you guys probably know this more than I do. I don't get to travel much. I work mostly from home. Uh, but, you know, getting home and just getting a shower in your own shower and just kind of getting back into your, your groove 
um, feels great. And then for me, just being such a kind of a workaholic without you know bragging about it, I just I like work. You know, um, it was great to kind of clean up my inbox, updates my apps. I had you know uh, the old two hundred and some odd emails that I had to go through, and it just really kind of start to connect back in because I do like to be connected. Um, so that was also a great feeling. So yeah, it's good to be back. You know, we're going to kick off um, this episode, and uh, we've got, a, we got another great episode coming up Thursday that uh, I'll tell you about a little bit um, later. But, you know, so but for this one, let's go ahead and kick it to my conversation with the Woodshed Agency team, uh, us discussing Cream, the documentary, and how we were all feeling with an hour to go in the campaign. So here we go. All right, everybody there? Yeah. All right, cool. So, uh, what do we got, about an hour to go? It's about right. Uh, two hours? Two hours? It's. It, I think it ends just before midnight, so we've got under two hours. Yeah. Right. 116,000, is that what I saw a second ago? It's almost yeah. 116. Like nine or something. <sighs> So I've kind of been a correct me if I'm wrong, and obviously I'm still on vacation here, so I haven't been watching it like I have been over the past. But we really didn't have a big swell at the end, like every other campaign on the planet, did we? Nope. It's been slow and steady for the past uh, couple of weeks. Little surge, little surge last week um, around the guitars, but yeah, it's it's been different. So what did the vice thing bring in? Is there any numbers on that? Does anybody have a dashboard in front of them? Under a hundred bucks. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, was there ever a wall street thing or was that the, um, was that that post that I saw JJ put up the, Oh, you mean the USA today? Or, um, yeah. Excuse me. The USA today. Yeah. Yeah, there was just that side blog from USA Today. So, yeah. you know, the, I think it's safe to say the last two pieces of major media didn't move the needle at all. And Alicia as well. I, I mean, there's no way well, to really know that because that's traditional Yeah, no media. way to track that. Um, you know, I would say based on based on um, Facebook traffic, and Alicia had a little bit of a local impact. Okay. Uh, there, there has been some mention of it there. Um, but anything that would come from radio would be a uh, direct link. So really hard to track that. Yeah. So it's a couple of other strategy things that we implemented at the end here is sort of doubled down on, on the Facebook ads um, with a week to go. I created three more, um, excuse me, I created two ads of like black and white old school, old school photos as well as we still had the other two that were kind of running the entire campaign. Um, and then about, what, four days ago, I created the T-shirt ad. I really, I'm, 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 I'm questioning that strategy because we spent money, we got good engagement, but I don't think that, it, I mean, it's hard to say. Did, did that push that, that 16000 that were over? Because all that's, those things happen after the after we funded. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the total the total the total dollar amount pledges coming in from Facebook is forty two thousand five hundred dollars. Hmm. So so when we stand back, so and this is kind of I'm just without I'm not analyzing anything. I'm just kind of talking out loud. Probably spent around five hundred dollars in Facebook ads. Maybe even a little bit. Maybe about six hundred dollars with the last. Um, and I'll have to add these up again. It might even be a little bit higher than that, but in that ballpark. I mean, at that moment, you would do that all day if, you know, even if it's a thousand bucks in Facebook ads gets you forty two thousand dollars. You you would do that all day, right? I mean, all day, all night. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so it really, I think, kind of for us that that sort of next strategy is is to really look at what these ads did in terms of the demographic, the um, 
you know, the amount spent, the probably the average reward. I don't know if we could find an exact formula, but I think another thing we have to start providing our, our clients with is you got to have around this amount of money on Facebook ads flat out, you know, like you maybe, maybe it's not a thousand bucks, maybe it's a hundred bucks, you know, but you at least have to have some because that's basically been what this campaign has been about is, is Facebook ads, you know, a good majority of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems to be the tools connecting. I think every campaign is going to have a different set of tools that are working well for it. Um, yeah, it's without a doubt the one that, um, outside of launch excitement and and pre-launch media, it has been the most reliable tool along with Kickstarter itself. You know, let's not, let's not discount that, you know, from direct links to Kickstarter, the search tools, the newsletters, the projects we love, you know, those were all added up. Those were a significant amount of revenue as well. Do we have that number? What is that number? $27,000. Really? Yeah. yeah. If Kickstarter breaks it down on the dashboard, they show basically, you know, how much that they brought in through all of their activities versus how much came in through external sources like Facebook and direct traffic from, you know, people clicking on your email links and whatnot. And so when they roll up all their their Kickstarter newsletter and and the homepage gallery and everything like that, it's twenty two thousand dollars. I, I mean, frankly, that's kind of my shocker one is, is that, you know, I mean, I mean what do you guys think? I mean, does that number seem slightly shocking to you that, that like, like, would we have got, let's just say, would we have gotten that from Indiegogo? Do I don't have think so. No, you know, I, I think that when you, when you make, the the cut with Kickstarter, you know, when you're in a projects we love, when you're in the newsletter, when you're on the front page, you know, this is a Kickstarter has done an excellent job in cultivating a community that goes there to buy things. I mean, I do that, you know, outside of our, you know, involvement in crowdfunding and woodshed, you know, I find myself on a semi-regular basis checking out what's new on Kickstarter. You know, what's the cool product? What, what can I, what can I see? And, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know that Indiegogo has as much of a community there. And I think the reason being is the, you know, confidence that projects will be delivered. You know, there's just a, a higher confidence when you're looking at, at Kickstarter. Hmm. And, you know, I think that our updates, I mean, we take a look at all of our updates. We had 12 updates in total. And they have fairly good comments and traction. You know, they're right. – they're being seen on Kickstarter. They're they're bringing users back to the Kickstarter platform. Um, but, you know, we see it with past clients and, and other campaigns we see out there. You know, you really got to be something special to rise above the noise. Otherwise, you're just buried, you know. So I think Cream was unique in its ability to to be a kind of a hip project and a hip topic. And, you know, there's celebrities – on the video, there's celebrities involved. You know, there's, there's a, a project I've been following in parallel on Indiegogo, the Danny Trejo movie. Have you guys been watching this? I saw it for a second, but I haven't been following. Yeah. It. You know, so Danny Trejo from from uh, Quentin Tarantino fame, and uh, you know, he was on Breaking Bad. You know, he was uh, Tatorga, the turtle guy that got his head cut off of Breaking Bad, right? I mean, we all know this guy, mm-hmm. Machete. Um, there's like a goofy video with him and some other director, the director of Machete, or one of those movies, you know, trying to raise $100,000 to do a feature film with him. And, you know, they've raised like $5,000. And this thing launched at the same time as Cream did, you know. So you got to believe platform has something to do with it. Subject matter has something to do with that. You know, uh, what can you say? So, so here's, here's the thing. If we had not gotten any of the inbound pledges from Kickstarter itself, which they consider to be, you know, people coming on and searching for stuff, the, you know, the newsletters, the homepage gallery, all that stuff, the project would not have funded. And it wouldn't have, 
we're we're a couple of hours away from the end. Kickstarter contributed, you know, twenty seven thousand dollars toward the toward the total. We're, you know, under seventeen thousand dollars over the over the funding goal. So we'd have been uh we'd have been shy, you know, by by money. Would not have succeeded at funding. And I think, you know, one of the things we've seen over time is, you know, Facebook used to be wide open. You could build, you know, your posts got seen and now they only get seen by like 16% of the people who, who, who like your, your page that the, you know, Twitter, I think is a, is a dying platform for this kind of thing. I, I think that, you know, Kickstarter has to be aware of this. They have to be aware that, and we've seen, and we saw it with this campaign as well. They put us in the homepage gallery, but, it was like a hit or miss kind of a thing. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. there were seven different projects that were in the homepage gallery and it was a different mix and it was over the course of several days. And, um, and I think Kickstarter is probably finding themselves in the, in the position of having to help projects out and having, you know, more and more, they have to figure out how to help project, you know, get funded by using the tools that they have at their disposal. I, I think it's a different landscape than it was, you know, just, you know, three years ago. Yeah. And I, it sure feels like they, they have to be aware of it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I think for me standing here, you know, with two hours to go, I, I think we're all pretty confident it's going to fund. I don't think there's going to be a big spike. We haven't, you know, it's not like $20,000 is going to come in the next car. Maybe I'll keep my fingers crossed, Maybe. but. Uh, we, we just had a $500 spike jump as we're talking. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, so in, in a nutshell though, I am still standing here, you know, a lot of eyeballs saw this. I think, I think when we, when we get into the bigger numbers, when we break down these Facebook ads and the amount of, I don't even think they're impressions. I think they, these are, you know, people 50 and older, mostly men, is who, who almost all of our Facebook ads are targeted to, that saw this. We, I think we had a ton of interactions, a ton of high-end quality content. Uh, you know, this thing really should have been, I think, higher, you know? I, I, so then I start going, well, is it, you know, is it because our demographic is 50 and older, right? And I don't know, maybe they're just not as Kickstarter savvy. And, and, and then I, I understand that the first thing that's going to come out of our mouth is we know the wrecking crew, but the wrecking crew, I think there was a lot of variables that were not the same with this. Rec- biggest one, you know, Denny uh, working that film for 10 years, you know, yeah. it, you know, cultivating a mailing list and, you know, really, really boots on the ground type of stuff, right? Like, well, well, frankly, I, frankly, I think that this is the difference, right? Is, I think, I think, you know, I don't want to judge the value of one subject matter over the other, but, you know, I think that the Wrecking Crew spanned a broader audience, you know, because it was about the musicians and the music, there was a broader audience of people that would tend to be interested in that topic where cream was a little more niche, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can't discount that, you know, when we started the Wrecking Crew, it wasn't a starting from zero and building an audience for the project, there was an audience for the project. Right. You know, that that audience needed to be directed to this is how you're going to direct your money to make this happen. And mm-hmm. because that, and we, you know, remember we also spent a little over a year, cult, you know, converting that audience from a, you know, let's give some donations at local screenings to let's communicate online. Right. Um, that's a two hundred thousand dollar difference, you know, and that's the difference yeah. of the campaigns, right? We raised what three, somewhere between three sixteen and three thirty on Wrecking Crew, and one hundred and sixteen ninety six here, right? If yeah. if we had more time to build insiders and more time to build uh, an online community around Cream, uh, I think it could easily have been a quarter million dollar campaign. Yeah, it's just you know we had to go and we had to go, right. Yeah, still is a good feeling though to uh, when you're when you're in the uh, over the hundred k number. It still does feel pretty good, you know. Uh, and I and I'm glad that this film is going to get made. So. Yeah. 
Well, let's not kid ourselves. You know, I have conversations all the time with starry-eyed wannabe filmmakers who want to do crowdfunding, right? And we're we're in we have two projects in a very exclusive club of you know original feature-length films that will, without a doubt, you know, one's already on Netflix. Cream, I am convinced, Cream will find its way to a you know, a global streaming platform or a global release of some kind. There's just mm-hmm. no question. Um, you know, that's not a it's not an easy thing to do, you know. Um, you know, Motley Crue's documentary raised $15,000 on Kickstarter. Let's not forget that, you know. Yeah. It's not Motley Crue. Uh, I'm sorry, quite right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is, a, this is not an easy task. Yeah. All right, guys. So, oh, there's something crawling here. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the middle of the night, or you know, the dark. Something Some situation. Something started situation. moving by my feet, so I'm gonna <laughs> go back to a little more light, which I get a little more crowd noise from the children here. But, whew, all right. Sure. So I guess. Uh, so I guess, Paul, if you had one thing that you would have loved to have seen done, what would it have been for you? That I would have loved to have seen done for this campaign? Yep, just, just one thing. Yeah, you know, I, you know, we're talking about the difference between the Wrecking Crew and, and this campaign and, the, you know, the, the – um, and, and I think there's – you know, we talk about it all the time – you know, crowdfunding is social media. You know, people who succeed at social media are people who, who succeed at crowdfunding. And I think the um, – and a lot of that has to do with personality. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know Denny, but Denny strikes me as a networker. Denny strikes me as a real people person who likes, you know, telling his story and, you know, uh, forming relationships and, uh, you know, Scott on this project is, you know, he's in his head. And, and it's, it's a lot harder, I think, for, um, I think it's easier to succeed when you're a, when you have a sort of natural, natural sort of social media spine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so if there's one thing that I think, you know, uh, I would have liked to have seen is, you know, you know, if we can figure out how to help a client have a little more fun on the on the social media side, you know, and um, and I think that you know the the I think that makes a a difference. But you know, you can't really change people's personalities. So. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and I think that's I think that's you know you're going to be who you're going to be. Like you know, let's not forget. You know, Denny is coming from the comedy world, right? You know, his, his natural habitat is on a stage under lights, um, making people laugh. You know, that's that's what he does in real life, you know. So I think he's just – you're absolutely right. He is totally a networker. He he is the type of personality that's accustomed to being in the spotlight. You know, Scott comes – Scott's closer to the guys he's making the film about. I understand why he – he, he resonates with these guys because these guys were, you know, writers. You know, he, he's a writer. He's a he's a lone wolf personality. You know, they they live in these kind of communities like Cream was. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's not that's not always easy to flip a switch and all of a sudden be you know this this giant megaphone on on, on social media. So yeah, I, I think that when you when you assess how much can a project raise on crowdfunding? The personality of the project is a hundred percent connected to that. You know, Denny didn't cringe over the quarter million dollar goal. You know, he was like, okay, that's what it's going to take. Let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. that he, he's, he's accustomed to going out and beating the drum and, and raising the money for it. You know, that's, that's what he was doing, you know? Um, other project founders, it's, it's going to seem like a pretty, pretty giant task to to flip on a switch and, and be that first guy dancing. You know, right. that's that's a big ask. 
So how about no. same question? How about same question for you, Sean? What, if, if there was just one thing, and, and again, we had time and all these other variables, and there's so many other things, obviously, that can yeah. go into this book. But if you had one thing that you would have just thought, and, and whether 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 it would make a huge difference or not a huge difference, what would have been for you? I don't think it would have made a huge difference. I think it would have been the difference of maybe like 150,000, right? Um, but I I think that's part of it. Is like you know we we knew going into it that if we could have had more time to cultivate more people that were directly involved in cream, you know, ex writers, artists, you know, people of that generation that could have been these second layer of mouthpieces, um, that would have helped us because, you know, they, you would find other personalities that are, um, have different habits on social media. And we didn't get that, you know? Yeah. We got some of that in the campaign. More yeah. of it would have helped. Elliot Kendall, whoever you are, thank you. Right? Yeah. Elliot Kendall anybody, for the world. Who, who do we know? Awesome. Yeah, but it, that's one of those things where, again, you there was never a conversation around that, never a strategy around it. We, You know, we didn't know. We don't even know who this guy. I don't know who he is. I, you know, I'm, now I do. But, but seeing him come through and – you know, or Jeffrey Morgan was another guy, you know, these are two guys to thank who I don't know. I don't, I, I still really don't know their stories, but they were huge yeah. trumpeters. You know? JJ's mom, JJ's mom too, yep. you know, yep. she's huge. You know, and I think that, I think that these are the types of things that organically spiral out of building an online community. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we took seven months to build the online community for cream. And I think that, the nat- those people were the natural number of people that will spawn from building seven months of an online community. If we, if the community had existed prior or if we had a little bit more time to, um, or, or, or a little bit more energy around cultivating that, we would have said more people like, like Ellie. Yeah. But I still don't think it's a difference between quarter million dollar campaign and where we're at now. It's just a little yeah. more. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it is, it does feel pretty good though that we're getting close to the end here on the completion of this thing and uh, start moving yeah. into fulfillment and the sort of these next phases and, and, and to move the conversations along because it, it's, it's been a heavyweight bo- well, uh, boxing well, match, you know? I, I, think, I think the last thing you have to look at is the non, the results of our efforts that are not directly related to the number on the crowdfunding board, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to take a look at where the position our clients are in right now. Right now, Scott and JJ have the budget to make their movie. You know, mm-hmm. they, they came to us and they said, "We we think we can make a great movie at a hundred thousand dollars." We're gonna the fact that we're gonna be about you know between seventeen and twenty k over that. We're covering the costs and we're giving them that budget. You know, so yeah. also the process of doing this, you know, of of building the crop crowdfunding campaign and recruiting support, we can set up all the pins that they need for their interviews. You know, there's very, very few blockers they have to get to the people they want to, to tell their story. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the fact that this was so successful, the fact that they now have an online community behind it and so many of the people they wanted to reach out to, you know, tweeted about the campaign or aware of the campaign and had high praise for the campaign they're going to be able to get their movie made easier um, because of the efforts. And that's an intangible, you know, sure. When, when you don't have this, you know, you're knocking on some of these people's doors. Like, who are you? Who are you to tell the story? You know, well, you know, you know, I would say something that Paul, you and I chatted about is the after effect of one of these campaigns that we're leaving them with a healthy amount of, of Twitter engagement, and Twitter followers, Facebook, Facebook went from 1500 up to over 6,000, I think, you know, but yeah. you know, he, so again, you know, to your point too, Sean, a network is now sitting there, you know, and an audience is sitting there after the fact as well. Yeah, and I think there's another thing. Sorry, there's another intangible. Another intangible thing that that uh, you know we haven't talked about that they come away with is, you know, over the past several decades, there's a ton of clutter around the cream brand. You know, there's there are other magazines there, you know, there's all kind of other stuff going on. And 
one of the things that they're going to have now is the Kickstarter page with a very high page rank whenever somebody searches on cream mm-hmm. and the, the, the way page rank in search results gets lent from page to page, the link back from the Kickstarter page to the, um, to the page for the, for the film is going to have high page rank as a result. And also the fact that we, we use that, uh, URL as a refer to, to bring people to the Kickstarter page when we send out press releases and, and so that URL got shared around quite a bit. That's going to lend page rank as well. So, uh, you know, a, a big sort of business asset that they have right now is a certain amount of decluttering of the, the yeah. search results and the, you know, they're the relevant cream project right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And the other side of it too is, you know, the campaign intentionally, you know, we did this in the very beginning. It was done in such a way that we're justifying why these are the right two guys to tell the story. You know, the, the, the video, the campaign video itself, the press release, every single article that went out, you know, hundreds of articles that went out on this campaign, you know, not only talked about the movie and what place in history cream had, but it talked about who JJ is, you know, JJ is the producer, he's Barry's grammar's son. Here's why, here's his motivations for getting this film made. And it talked about Scott, you know, Scott was, you know, as a 14-year-old kid, was running a fanzine inspired by Cream. You know, he he made a successful documentary based on how Cream shaped his worldview as a child, you know. And mm-hmm. it's a story he always wanted to tell. And, you know, this Kickstarter campaign, along with raising the money, you know, I think you can arguably say people gave their money not only for the idea of a Cream documentary, but gave their money to these two guys, as the right people to tell the cream story. And that, that was a huge part of our goal in the, the message of this campaign was to, there's these two guys are going to make a movie. Here's who they are. You know, there is controversy out there on, on who should be the person telling the story of cream. I think that controversy is now closed and it's crystal clear that these are the two people that are going to own the legacy. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yep. All right. Cool guys. It's in the you know. Well, I'll, I'll be watching for the next hour here to get that final total in, and uh, you know, it'd be cool if we could get to 120. Well, I get to 120. I feel I feel pretty good. It's creeping up. I you know I had the optimistic goal of 130. Yeah. Still holding out hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Cool. All right, right. guys. Talk to y'all later. Bye. So yeah, that was the that's the cream documentary. Um, if you're still interested in, if you want to learn more about it, um, d- uh, just Google. You know, Google. Go to Kickstarter. Cream boy howdy. Cream documentary. We're, we're going to be the first thing that pops up. Check that out. We are thinking about doing a live Q and A uh, either on Twitter or maybe through Facebook Live. Um, if you have a lot of crowdfunding questions and want to talk to us about strategies we did, um, kind of behind the scenes. If you're interested in something like that, shoot me an email, jeff at woodshed.agency, um, and let me know if you'd be interested in that because that is something we're thinking about doing because I, I think we, there would be a lot of value. Um, you know, we, we ha- There's only a few documentaries out there that cross that $100,000 mark. Um, the Woodshed Agency's worked on a couple, um, and we can maybe help you with some, some info. Um, another thing, too, is make sure you're subscribed to our blog. Um, that's woodshed.agency backslash blog. We've got a lot of great blogs. We usually put out one a week. Um, and you know, they range from, uh, social media to crowdfunding tactics to just kind of fun stuff too. So, so check that out. Make sure you share those, um, you know, subscribe to it, uh, put our, our, our 
excuse me, our RSS feed in your, um, in your, uh, in your feedly or whatever your reader is. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and subscribe to this. If you're liking the podcast, do do me a favor. Make sure you go to iTunes. Maybe do a review. Uh, subscribe to it. Send it out to your friends too if they if you think they'd be into it. Um, anybody that you're thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign or marketing a product, I think you're going to get a lot of great information from not only myself, but you're going to get information from actual c- campaigns that have funded. So. Um, all right, that's enough about me talking about myself there. Let's go ahead and kick it to my conversation with Terry from Soul Kicks. And uh, here we go. Let's go. Hello, Fuzzy. This is. Uh, you, you go by Fuzzy, is that right? Uh, I have been known to go by Fuzzy. It's a it's a nickname that's been around for a little while for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well on the podcast, which is best, Jeff or Fuzzy? Whatever you like. I will answer to both. I won't leave you hanging with a, if you don't say the right one. Okay. <laughs> man, All right. Thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm glad we got this started uh, sooner than later. I didn't want to wait. Uh, till was it the 26th because your campaign's got 14 days and uh, um, right. we've got a pretty good network here um, from doing the podcast and then I, I do consulting for other crowdfunding clients and uh, you know, I've got a nice mailing list and I love to send out love and support and you know have everybody check out cool projects that are funding so um, I'm glad we right. could do this now great awesome great. so I try to keep these calls for about 30 minutes, you know, I, I try to just have a nice conversation, you know, it's not really selling anything, it's just talking about, you know, the story of your project, how you got to here, and then think too that the, a lot of the listeners are people who are thinking about doing crowdfunding or are um, or have done one in the past, whether they had success or not, but they're, you know, they're around crowdfunding, so sometimes we get into a little bit of like, you know, how did you get to where you've overfunded in, you know, X amount of days and if you had any strategy, but we don't get into too much of that. Just kind of, again, like I said, a friendly conversation. So, um, okay. that's, that's kind of the goal of this. Like I said, 30 minutes and see what happens. All right. Cool. And you're based at, you're based out of the Detroit area. I'm in Detroit right now. Yep. And I've got team members on the East coast and West coast too, that, uh, that help with my projects, depending on what we're working on and, uh, what the, what the client needs. So, okay. but I'm in, I'm in Detroit today. So All right. well, many years ago I lived there. Really? Yeah. Where at? Uh, a little bit in Troy, mostly in Rochester area. Okay. Well, I, we say Detroit, but I actually live in Farmington. So, uh, okay. I try to live in Detroit, but I've got small kids, and um, <laughs> you know that was a, I, you know the I didn't. It's not like I was trying to convince my wife, but we looked at. I mean, we were looking at mansions for like you know eighty thousand dollars, you know, just mansions. <laughs> but uh, there's just so many other headaches that yeah, you know. Yep. Kind of want them to have to go to school. I like garbage pickup. That's what I've realized. I want my, <laughs> I want my garbage to be picked up. It's the little things in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, yeah. So Terry, I mean, I guess just you know. So let's start with just what's the project? Tell me about it and um, tell me the, the the idea behind it. Okay. Um, well, this is how it started. Uh, one of my sons, uh, Mason, um, and he's a, he's also an actor, so his, he goes by his screen name in public forums of Mason D. Davis. Okay. Uh, but uh, but uh, he, he is my son, Mason McEwen. And um, years ago, uh, he was living in Southern California when he came out of high school. Um, he kind of kind of was like a lot of kids coming out of high school I guess he he just uh, was looking for stuff and and he ran away mm-hmm. and nobody in the family knew where he was at he wow. ended up living on a, a homeless in San Francisco on top of a skyscraper in a makeshift tent that he made and uh, he, he was supporting himself by finding wood and dumpsters and doing artwork on the wood and selling it on the streets wow um 
and 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 then after a while he uh, moved back to Southern California. He was a surfer and a skater, and he uh, got sponsored by Vans for his skating, and they were providing him shoes, and he would do his artwork on his Vans shoes, and people said, those are really cool. Where do you get those? So he started selling them, and uh, and, and then he made some shoes for my wife and I, and we'd wear them, and then people would say, where do you get those? And <laughs> And it was a really cool product that no people couldn't find elsewhere. That's and so, wow! That's so, awesome. Yeah, so that's how that's how uh, that's how it got started. But it took him a long time to to hand paint on on shoes, mm-hmm. and uh, and he started focusing on more on his acting career, and I kind of left that behind. It wasn't a business that could be scaled, and I had uh, I had retired and was looking for something to do. And then I remembered um, him doing that and I went to him and I said, let's, let's see if we can find a way to scale this into a real business. Right. And so we started looking around. There wasn't any machines that were built to print on shoes. Uh, so we engineered a process and we figured out how to print on shoes. And, and then we figured we, we had the potential for a business. So we, uh, we designed uh, the shoes that we wanted um, and we sourced them and um, the, the, the blanks are made in China and then they come over to the US and then we, we set up a business here where we, we print the shoes. So that's how we got started. Wow, that is uh, not exactly where I thought the story was gonna go. <laughs> but that is awesome that you have um, you know, for lack of a better term, that sort of rags to riches, you know, or but just that, you know, really picking yourself up from your bootstraps uh, to kind of find this idea and 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 make it successful. That's really really awesome, really awesome. Yeah, it's, it was a, it was a fun way to do it, and, it was, and it's a great thing for him and I to be working together on this, and, and it's turning out, and it's going in all kinds of different directions from where we started, for where we thought it was going to go. Uh, we've learned a few things, and we pivoted a few times, and but we're we're going in a good direction right now. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. This campaign right now is to create the kids line. Is that correct? Yes. So. Um, what did it take to kind of get that first, those first runs off the off the ground? Now, do you have a brick and brick and mortar store, or wh- where is your company like currently right now? We're, we're based in in Orem, Utah, which is uh, south of Salt Lake, about forty miles next to Provo, Utah. Okay, um, and that's where uh, our, our our facility is, which has a small brick and mortar store up in the front part of it, about seven hundred square foot brick and mortar store, and behind that we have our factory and our warehouse. Um, most of our business is online. That's primarily what the business is, except for corporate logos, which is more of a, 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 a B2B sales situation, mm-hmm. uh, where we do corporate logos on shoes for companies. But mo- most of our business is done online with this small retail store. Oh, wow, interesting. And um, so, so right now you've got your product line, and, and how did it, like, was there just enough noise to say we need a kids line or and then how did you get to think about doing crowdfunding instead of just I don't know ordering a bunch of kids shoes and starting the process what made you guys go to Kickstarter for this well we, we started out um, you know we're, we're bootstrapping it mm-hmm. and and uh, we started out we thought we were going to build a complete lifestyle brand uh, that would include apparel and shoes and hats and sunglasses and all the accessories um, and and that's where we were going. Um, what we found, and and we found, and we believed that the core customer was going to be kids in their teens and twenties. Right. Um, and what we found um, in the first two or three months of our business is that our market was much broader than than that, and mostly people wanted. Uh, the shoes. That's what they were interested in. Um, I think hats and t-shirts and hoodies and that they can find anywhere. Right. And our brand didn't really mean anything to them. But the, the fact that they could get cool shoes or customized shoes really was awesome. <laughs> and and we were getting just as many 
baby boomers as we were millennials. That's great. That's <laughs> and, great. And ordering. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, so, th- so that's that kind of got us going. And and then we were being asked all the time, "Do you have kids' shoes?" From from mostly moms, but also from uh, grandparents and and stuff like that. It was, because they see this as a great gift. It's unique, it's different, it's you know, it's just something that you can personalize and became kind of a, a gift item. And uh, moms thought it'd be great for their kids. That's awesome. So, correct me if I'm wrong, so what was your background in this? So, you know, you're retired and you're coming out of the woodwork because you're talking about a lot of the business strategies to pivot and, um, was that in your son's mentality a little bit, or is he really truly the artist, and you're taking on most of the business side of this equation? Yeah, he he handles the he he handles all the artistic side of it, and I handle the business side of it. So, cool. my, so, so what was your background on that? Um, I I was a shopping center developer for many years and became one of the leading. Had I lived in the eastern part of the United States for about 35 years, and, and um, I built the. Uh, if not the largest, one of the largest upscale shopping center companies in the country. Interesting. Uh, and and then I sold that and I retired and I was investing in a lot of businesses. I'm, I'm a, I have an equity interest in about 21 different companies and I've been on the board of lots of different companies. And so I, I kind of got a, a very background. Um, and and so anyway, that so I, I do the business side of it and he does the... Uh, the creative side of it. Yeah, it, it sounds like um, you were probably there, being able to easily guide the pivots. You know, the, you know, why don't we listen to our customers? They want kids' shoes. You know, like, <laughs> you know, let's not fight that. That's that's going to be revenue at some point. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so your 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 Kickstarter, uh, I think, is it the first one you guys have ever created, or is have you guys done mo- other ones in the past, or is this your first one? No, we're we're rookies at the, at the Kickstarter business. Um, and I think if we did it over again, we'd do some some things different. But uh, but we're learning a lot from it. Sure. So you you know you've already funded. You had a goal of fifteen thousand dollars. Let's start there. How did you guys come up with the goal uh, amount? What did, did you guys have a strategy around that, or how did you guys get to that number? Well, we we actually, <laughs> you know, our, I guess being transparent, our, our big picture goal was to get to closer to a hundred thousand oh, okay. dollars. But <clears throat> but. When we asked around some people who had Kickstarter experience, they they said you you don't want to start out with a high goal, too high of a goal because uh, people will be afraid that you're not going to reach your goal and they won't they won't uh, pledge. Yeah, that's a hefty amount. So <laughs> so we started out with a, a lower goal that we felt like we could get to rather quickly and easily, and give the the uh, consumers the confidence that they could pledge and that they would get their product. Right. That's cool. And then, so did you guys work with any, you know, agencies or any PR firms, or what was your strategy, kind of leading up to the campaign? And, and that's what that's what we haven't done well. Um, we we did it on our own, mm-hmm. basically in house. Our our our, <clears throat> our general manager kind of put it together. He's very talented, and and we all contributed a little bit. We kind of did it on our own. Um, uh, I think. In retrospect, uh, maybe we should have had a PR campaign going with it, and a little bit stronger social media marketing back uh, backing to it. Um, but you know, so far it's been good. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you've crossed your goal. You got two more weeks. So, are you guys introducing some stretch goals? Are you introducing anything, anything new? Like, what, what's the what's the narrative moving forward? You, you know, you, you've hit 15k. Now, what do you start talking about? Yeah, so that we actually had a meeting about that this morning, a long meeting about that, and and we are going to do a, a stretch goal, and 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 we're going to uh, do some other marketing ideas to support that, and uh, try try to get it going a little bit more because it definitely is going to cost us way more than fifteen thousand dollars to launch the kids the kids brand. Right, and and are you envisioning that that. Um that this amount is kind of is launching the entire kids brand, or just like one shoe, one white shoe that you can paint, or like how, how do you guys divide that up in your for your company? Um, we we have 
basically three different colors that we do. We have an all-white shoe, an all-black shoe, and a black-and-white combination shoe, and we, we order the combination of all of those in all the different sizes. Oh, cool. Um, and, and so we'll have a good supply of, of each of those. Gotcha. So, so you know, Mo- what do you think has been the biggest you know, struggle with the campaign uh, or with the marketing in general? Is it the, is there any one specific thing that you guys think is like the biggest, not even so much a hindrance because you guys are being successful, but you know, one thing that like, man, if we did Facebook ads differently or if we did, I had a mailing list stronger. Do you guys talk about that? If like, is there anything that you would have liked to have focused on? Yeah, and that's what that's like I said. We're we're learning. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you're learning this too as you're going. But so yeah. so, the, so the, yeah. So I, I I spent a lot of time talking to somebody who had a successful uh, campaign or earlier today, and then we met about it. We we haven't done Facebook ads, mm-hmm. and and we've I think we've missed out on that. We didn't do a, a, a public relations backing to it, which we've missed out on. Uh, we we've got influencers that are. Writing about our product, but they they haven't been writing about our our uh, our Kickstarter campaign. Right. So that's some of the things that we didn't do well, and we need to focus on. We we primarily got the word out through friends and family and through our own social media contacts. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of campaigns are successful with what you're just talking about. It, it still is this sort of you know smaller network that can get these things started and what i think you're, what it looks like to me is you're in that position of your second kickstarter will be a hundred thousand your third one can be because your story is so rich right like you know not a lot of companies have your backstory that they that you can lean on you know with your son and and i think that's gonna be the powerful thing as long as you deliver the good products and you keep up with that you know your your backers will kind of go along with you and, and uh there's a couple other shoe company ones that that I actually purchased. I purchased the like they're like deck shoes, and I think I bought like three different Kickstarter campaigns because they they always deliver, you know, their products good, their marketing gets better as they go, and I think that's where you guys, in my mind, when I'm looking at this, going, you know, now getting your backstory, kind of hearing about it for the first time a little bit, it's like, man, you guys are on a really good path uh, to to on the second one really hit it out of the park, you know. Um, because you're getting so much success just on word of mouth, right? Like, um, that's a great thing. It's a really great thing for a campaign. Great. Yeah, so what, where do you see the company going, you know, you know where, where do you see it going in, in the shoes? Is, you know, it almost seems like you could have a bit of a nonprofit type of vibe or a humanitarian type of vibe to your campaigns. Um, you know, do, or do you envision? Where, where do you guys envision maybe the next kind of turns happen for your for your company? Well, uh, let me maybe answer that in two different ways. First sure. of all, on the give back, um, we're we're very much into the give back. Uh, for every pair of shoes that we sell, we donate a pair to uh, kids in third world countries, um, and we do that through an organization that we partner with called Souls for Souls. Oh, awesome! And. And and that's that's something that's really important to us, to, to be able to do that. And with Mason's background of struggling at some point in his life, uh, you know, that, that that just became it's something that's part of our soul, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Pun intended, I guess. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so that that's important. In addition to that, there are a number of other um, charities that we've uh, contributed to. Um, Ron Silverman in Hollywood, he, his son committed suicide, and, and he has a foundation called the Matthew Sil- Silverman Foundation to prevent teenage suicides. And we've uh, we've supported his cause and, and and helped him. And Steve Young, the football player and ESPN yeah. announcer, he he has the the Forever Young Foundation, which uh, has a lot of charities that they support, particularly along uh, uh, children helping children and uh, and we support Steve Young and his his ventures we've done a, a number of events with them and so that that part of it is very important to us that the give back um, and where are we going with the with the company um, 
it's it's one of those things that we have this whiteboard in front of us. <laughs> the <laughs> but, whiteboard, uh, the great whiteboard. It's big. <laughs> yeah. It's big and it's it's huge. And we're the only people really doing what what we're doing the way we're doing it. And and so we have the, the we have the corporate logo division, the the Soul Biz, what we call it. Um, that's that's huge. The Soul Kids is is going to be huge that we're just getting into. Um, and then the collegiate, we're, we do college shoes for college fans. And we're going to build that and eventually get into the pro teams doing that. And then uh, and then our lifestyle, which is our bread and butter, is the lifestyle division of just all kinds of really cool uh, shoes. And right, so we're going all those directions. The, the one area that we've been focusing on to start with of getting the word out is through influencers. We, we have about 500 celebrities and about 50 professional athletes wearing our shoes right now. And uh, we've been able to get uh, some good play off of that. That's great. That's that's really great. So walk walk me through then. Let's just say I uh, I have an idea for a shoe. What do I do? Um, there's there's two ways you can do it. You can actually go online to our website. Um, from from a computer right now, we're we're working on getting it so within hopefully within 30 days. You can do it from a mobile device, but you can go in and actually upload your image on shoes and see how it looks right on our website, and then and then just order it that way. Oh really? Uh, so we want to make it so user friendly that people can just do their own if they are inclined. If they don't know how or aren't comfortable doing that, they can uh, send us their images. It can be photographs. It can be uh, uh, art, it could be whatever images, and our graphic artists will uh, produce, will make the shoe. That's awesome. That that reminds me of, oh, I think what this app was called. There was a pretty cool app for t-shirts that, you know, you basically, I took a photo of, of this really cool Ferris wheel at a, you know, uh, whatever, uh, one of these little, you know, parade type park things. And basically I just uploaded the photo, put it on a t-shirt, and had the t-shirt sent to me within like two weeks. You know, and it you know it was like an American Apparel shirt, so it's kind of in that same ballpark of fashion. And I, what I love the most about it is nobody else is going to have that photo, right? Like, if it was yeah. my photo, my Instagram filter, uh, you know, I, I I probably paid a little bit more than I would for traditional T-shirt, but then I was like, this is mine, you know. And I I, I got to imagine that you're getting a lot of that, just that ownership of the most design, the shoe, you know. Yeah, mostly it is that, and we have a couple taglines, and one of them is "Express the Soul," and that's what we're saying. Everybody is different, and everybody has their own passions, and and they can express who they are through their footwear. Yeah, that's a that's a great great tagline because that's what I'm seeing for this is just that that ownership has to just be so rich right now, and, and just how everybody, yeah, you know, I, I think people are getting more and more into this, and this is what I love about Kickstarter is that you get these one of a kind type of things, right? So, you know, I'm not going to Target to see your shoe you know, right now, you know, and I think that's the specialty of it is to be able to just, you know, take a cool photo. My son could take a cool photo, send it to you and have a shoe by the end of the month or whatever it might be. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Very cool. So how about the name Soul Kicks? Where did that come from? Uh, Mason came up with that and it's, it was a perfect name. We, we love the name. (laughs) Yeah. It is spot on for a brand. Uh, it, it, it gives you almost everything you need to know in that 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 verbiage. It's so good, so good. So, what does Mason do now, though? And is he is he always designing stuff? Is he running the store? What what what's he doing right now? You know, it, uh, when when we started this business, uh, Mason had moved up to Utah. We started it here in Utah uh, and continue to run it out of Utah. But uh, Mason's acting career has really taken off, and so. He uh, he's he's starred in several movies and now he's moved to L.A. and he's he's that was a couple of months ago he moved down to L.A. and he's uh, pursuing his acting career there in L.A. Uh, but he still does much of our graphic design work. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's it like for you working with your son on this project? That's got to be great. Oh yeah, it was, it was, it was fabulous. It was a great opportunity for me to be able to to do this with him. It's. Uh, uh, it's just been a good experience. That's that's really great. So, all right, I think I think this is a good. This is a great conversation, man. I, I love the project. Um, you know, you you've crossed your 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 goal. You've got a, two more weeks. You're gonna get some definitely some more uh, more interest going on. Um, 
yeah, it's all around. It's nothing but good. Nothing but good out of this thing. It's great. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I'm, uh, I'm glad we got to do this today. It's awesome. Well, great, Fuzzy. Good talking to you. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. I'll, uh, uh-huh. I'll be in touch, man. I appreciate it.